Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. And so when you go into the place of prayer, something happens in the place of prayer. If you've been praying, hallowed be thy name, oh God, may I live a life worthy of your name. May I walk in holiness. If you've been praying, Lord, thy kingdom come. If you've been praying, thy will be done. When your will and his will cross, you surrender and you take up that cross and follow Him. The Lord's Prayer has always been a useful tool when communicating with God. It reminds us how we should be praying and what our focus should be. In today's message, Pastor Ed gives us another use. It's a weapon to be used in our arsenal of defense against Satan. Think about it. Satan's goal is to cut ties between you and God. But when your communication with God is constant, your will and God's will will begin to intertwine, and suddenly Satan loses all hold on your life. Let's join Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, for part one of his message entitled, Deliver Us from the Evil One. We've been studying the Lord's Prayer. We're looking at the sixth petition. This week, we're looking at temptation and deliver us from the evil one. The text is Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, and I'm using the NIV, from the evil one. That can be translated, and a number of translations translate that phrase, deliver us from the evil one. That's Satan the prince and power of darkness. Have you ever felt the presence of the evil one? Have you ever felt a spiritual attack where you knew the presence of the evil one was there? Martin Luther was restoring the word of God to the church Restoring the truth of salvation to the church. And there in Wartburg, there's a spot on the wall. And the tour guides will tell you that's where he threw his ink bottle when he sensed the presence of the evil one. Satan is real. And he wants to destroy your soul. He's no fictitious character running around in a red suit with a tail. He's a real presence. Time and time again, as I have prayed with people, I have sensed, as they were oppressed of the devil, an evil presence. Time and time again, As we have battled in prayer, there have been times that we have sensed the presence of the enemy. As a young man, about 20 years old, one night working in the bowling alley back in Rainbow Lanes in Brooklyn, New York, a man came in, and he was profane and abusive, and I said, leave this place. And so he walked out. 
He came back in just a few moments later, and I noticed that my friends started sort of gathering around. I didn't know what was coming down. Well, all of a sudden, his personality just mellowed out. It changed. He stayed a while and then left. And my friends came around and said, you know why we came and we're right beside you? He came in with a pistol. It wasn't too long before, right around that period, that one of the men I worked with, there in that place, a luncheonette, there in the bowling alley, they found him in the trunk of his car dead. And so it wouldn't have been unusual to see somebody shot. Just that next day, one of the men in the church called me up and contacted me and said, what happened last night at about 12 midnight? He said, I had a tremendous burden for you, and I began to pray in the Spirit for you. Right at the time that that man was in the luncheonette with the gun, right at the time when those guys had gathered around, God spoke to an intercessor to pray. Jesus talked to us about the power and the presence of the evil one. In the very last of all the petitions, he rivets our attention as we conclude our prayer on lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the final petition. As we come out of our prayer closet, finishing our prayer request, we're praying that we will overcome the powers of darkness. Helmut Delik, a preacher who did a series on the Lord's Prayer during the Second World War, said in this last petition, Behind the temptations stands the tempter. Behind the lie stands the liar. Behind all the dead and the bloodshed stands the murderer from the beginning. There is a real presence that we must be aware of. There's two mistakes that we could make. One is to concentrate too much on the devil. The other is to ignore him completely. Either one of those is dangerous. Paul the Apostle wrote to the Thessalonians, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. There is a tempter who is tempting you. There is a tempter who wants to take you out of the will of God, who wants to destroy your life, who wants you to spend eternity with him. Now, there are three words that I want to take and place them before you. These three words... I'd like to summarize the message by deception, domination, and destruction. Deception, domination, and destruction. 
That is Satan's strategy and plan against the body of Christ. In Revelation 12, 9, it says, The great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. Satan is deceptive. That's our first point. Deception. He's a master liar. In John 8.44 it reads, When he lies he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan wants to deceive, trick people. He wants to pull you into his lie. Those of you who are familiar with government and politics and who have studied it at all, you're amazed at how so much of the structure, so much of the relationships, so much of the policy is built on lies. Satan is the prince and the power of this world. He is the master architect of so much of our society. This master liar wants to deceive you. How does he do it in a Christian's life? And and when we go to God in prayer, how does it help us to keep from falling into his trap? Well, first thing that Satan wants you to do He wants you to compromise with the truth. He wants to deceive you, and he wants you to compromise by saying, well, you know, it's not so bad. It's only a little thing. It's only a small thing. It was Greg Laurie in his book, the great compromise, who told the story of a 400-year-old redwood tree. It was felled in a storm. And they wondered, why did this redwood that had lasted for 400 years suddenly fall in this storm? It had been through storms and lightning and earthquakes. As they examined it very closely, they realized that beetles had made their way into the heart of that redwood tree and had eaten away at the fiber system and weakened it. Small little beetles did what the storm and the lightning and the earthquake couldn't do. Satan, the adversary of your soul, wants you to compromise Oh, it's only a white lie. He wants you to embrace compromise and call it tolerance. He wants you to yield to disobedience and call it freedom. The root cause of virtually all spiritual failure is disobedience in the little things. That's what Exley says. Disobedience in the little things. Are there areas in your life that you're compromising about? Are you scrupulous in how you do your taxes? Are you scrupulous in how 
You make sure at your job you're giving a right account. You're not padding the expenditures. We're Christians. We're believers in Jesus Christ. And we should not sell out to the enemy. It could be small things. When we live a lie, we utilize rationalization. See, Satan plans his temptations just for you. He shapes them. He formulates them just to fit into your situation. Uh, Some woman thinks to herself, my husband doesn't understand. He doesn't listen to me. His work is more important than I am. It's all he ever wants to talk about. And so Satan comes in. And then she meets someone who excites her interest, someone who offers attention she craves. And her rationalization takes a new twist. Now she justifies this relationship. We're only friends, nothing more. The feelings I have for this man have nothing to do with my husband or my marriage. Why shouldn't I enjoy his company? After all, I've had little enough pleasure in the last few years. And so she begins this dialogue, and it sounds so good. See, Satan loves rationalization. Will you begin to rationalize your sin? Oh, it's only a prayer request. Hmm? What does the Bible say about gossip? Oh! You know, everybody watches that stuff. Hmm. Again and again, Satan comes in slyly, secretly, almost unaware. He doesn't announce his coming generally. He just comes in with a little compromise, a little rationalization. I was reading a book by Richard Exley, and this book said, Deliver Me. It it talked about a man that came into the pastor's office, and he said to the pastor, he said, Pastor, I'm going to get married. And the wonderful thing is we're both believers, and we feel it's God's will for us to get married. And the pastor noticed that he seemed somewhat uncomfortable. And so we asked him, well, tell me, where did you meet? He was trying to disarm them, make them feel more comfortable. Where did you meet? Tell me a little bit about this uh, relationship. And then as they began the talk, it came out that she was married to another man. He said, wait a minute. Look what the Bible says. And he read the commandment, Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. And they said, now read this, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And then he went through one scripture after another scripture, and he said, read it. And the man said, but I've prayed about it. He said, well, you don't really need to pray about what God has said clearly in his word. As a believer, as a Christian, as someone who knows Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to follow his word. 
And so when you go into the place of prayer, something happens in the place of prayer. If you've been praying, hallowed be thy name, oh God, may I live a life worthy of your name, may I walk in holiness. If you've been praying, Lord, thy kingdom come. If you've been praying, thy will be done. When your will and his will cross You surrender and you take up that cross and follow him. See, what God is saying in his word is we need to pray against that type of spirit because Satan is a deceiver. People justify all sorts of things, all sorts of sins. We need to live in the truth. In John 8.44 it says this, that Satan does not hold to the truth, for there's no truth in him. Living in the truth. If you are a growing, vibrant Christian, God's truth is going to reside in your heart. More and more, you're going to be conformed to the truth. More and more, you're going to be living in the truth. More and more, the truth of God's word is going to be shaping you and directing you and helping you to live in this present world. Our character should be becoming more and more and more like Christ. Less and less of self, more and more of the Savior. There were two older saints in Wilmington, Delaware, Jean and Midge, These ladies were such godly women. I suppose now that they're in their 80s. But I remember the young people would go to them again and again for counsel. They just loved to be around these two older women because they were prayer warriors. They were godly women. My son, every month or so, we must call up a couple of ladies and they just pray together. Let me ask you, With the passing of years, are more and more people looking to you as a pillar of the church? Are they seeing in you the Christ-like character? Because if truth reigns in your heart, it transforms your life. And more and more, Christ is seen in the book, Bondage Breaker. A wonderful book. Anderson talks about encounters with the powers of darkness. And he said it is more an issue of truth than power. Because the truth sets people free. And the weapon we have in prayer is when we get before God and we begin praying, Lord, deliver me from the evil one, God is all of a sudden going to be speaking to our life about our heart because Satan looks to have dominion over your life. He wants a hook that he could have in you. He wants something that he could use against you to ensnare you. In 2 Timothy 2.26, Paul the Apostle said, And they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. See, Satan wants control over your life. 
He wants to take you captive so you will do His will, not God's will. You know, people sometimes look at God's commandments like a restaurant menu. They do. They say, "Mm, I'll choose this one here. I'll choose that one. That one doesn't give me too much trouble here. No. Don't look at the Ten Commandments like a restaurant menu. They weren't ten suggestions. They were ten commandments. We are to take God's Word and direct our lives by what His Word says. That's foolish to think that you could disobey and get away with it. Now imagine you were given a thousand acres of land. If in the very center, the giver said, I'm going to keep that center acre. By law, in most regions, he could build a road right through the rest of the acres to that center acre and have access. So many are saying, God, I'll give you 999% of my life, but I want this one area, this one area. And Satan just builds a road right into the center of your life. And so you begin to go closer to God, and all of a sudden Satan pulls out lust, and you're drawn into that lust, and you're derailed in your spiritual life. You begin to grow in faith in God, and all of a sudden Satan says, "Uh uh-huh, they have a worry wart. They've never cut it off. I'll lay hold of it and pull them back. And you're pulled back in distress. Ah, huh? you have a weakness. You love to look at those magazines on the racks in the grocery store that convey the latest gossip. And someone in the church calls up, have you heard? Oh, no, tell me, sister, I'm so concerned. And all of a sudden, you see that person in church, and you can't talk to them. See, Satan knows how to attack us. He wants a beachhead in your life. He wants a stake that he could lay hold of. He wants something that he could hold on to you. He wants dominion. He wants domination. Sometimes we don't realize the influence of the kingdom of darkness on people. But it's great. But the influence of the kingdom of light can be greater. For in Acts 10.38 it reads how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. See, what happens is the devil cripples you. In the New Testament, people were bound up because of Satan's oppression, and they walked around physically crippled and So it is in the spiritual realm. People are walking around limping spiritually. And God doesn't want them to be like that. 
Praying is one of the most intimate parts of our Christian life. It's the single most important way we communicate with God. Over the centuries, there have been many wonderful prayers written by saints of God. And probably the most notable is the Lord's Prayer that Jesus prayed in Luke chapter 11. Pastor Ed will be teaching through this prayer in a nine-part series entitled The Lord's Prayer. In each broadcast of Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will break down each of the components of this prayer, helping us to understand the significance of each part. We'll learn what it means to forgive others as we've been forgiven and why it's important to ask the Lord to deliver us from the snares of Satan. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through this series entitled The Lord's Prayer, right here on Voice of Faith.